It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get A through it. social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good show today. It's Wednesday, which means, of course, armchair politics coming up in about an hour for two hours of commentary and analysis about local, state, national news and current events with uh, our Roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right, joining them uh, this week, East Village Magazine consulting editor Jan Worth Nelson. But this hour, um, it's been, well, it, as of today, it's been a year since the first COVID-19 case was uh, announced in Michigan, and uh, so it's it's been a year of doing shows from the bunker here and I was talking with Janworth Nelson uh, yesterday um, about how nice it will be when we can get out and do the shows live from different locations as we have done in the past and and I look forward to that and I hope you do too Um, but we're going to start this hour talking about the impact that COVID-19 has had this past year on small businesses with Maggie Ferentz from the, uh, she's a senior vice president at uh, Huntington Bank, and uh, she works with small business. So we're going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 on small businesses past, present, and future. And uh, again, I uh, can't tell you how interesting it is now that vaccines are starting to get, I think we're up to 20 or 30 percent of the population has been vaccinated so far and when we get to that 70 percent mark and things start to ease up how much i'm looking forward to getting out and about and seeing some people in person it'll be nice to come up out of the bunker and find out if uh 
if the old world is still in okay shape. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be back with Maggie right after this. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. And, uh, of course, uh, you're probably sick of, of uh, hearing about the pandemic. But just uh, over the last couple of days, um, I talked with my uh, barber, and he and his partner have closed their shop. Um, I, I guess they're they're out doing curbside <laughs> haircuts. But, uh, um, but that's happening with a lot of small businesses because of COVID-19. And we're going to talk about that impact with Maggie Ferentz from Huntington Bank, and she joins me now by phone. Hi, Maggie. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having us today. Um, how many, do you have any sense, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have any sense of how many small businesses have just gone completely under because of the closure orders in various states around the country? You know, we have an initial sense, and some of this data has just started to come out from groups like the National Bureau of Economic Research and and, and other groups that are focusing on just the initial impact of the last 12 months. But some show as much as 22% of the businesses that existed at the start of 2020 are no longer in operation. And I think even more alarming, we're seeing a a greater impact to those that are minority and and Hispanic and female-owned as well. So black-owned businesses, uh, as much as 40% are out, uh, around 35% of Hispanic-owned small businesses. So, uh, and, that's, and that's those that report. I, I think that's a stat that we're, we're, we're going to have to watch very, very closely as, as people are really starting to register the impacts of, of what went on in 2020. You know, I'm almost, uh, well, I am, in fact, a little nervous to ask this, but when you talk about minority-owned businesses and and, uh, female-owned businesses um, failing at a greater rate. Does that have anything to do with how the uh, benefits of COVID relief packages from Washington have been doled out? Yeah, we can we can talk a lot about that. If you really, you know, kind of taking a step back and thinking about the average small business. I mean, they start with the word small and small businesses don't have that rainy day fund that so many larger organizations have. And, you know, a lot of small businesses prepare for things like an owner being sick or, you know, they might prepare for something exciting like the opportunity to take a vacation and, you know, leave a strong manager in charge for a period of time. You know, what would that be like? <laughs> yeah, right. You don't plan for something like this. I mean, this was just, I mean, we use words like unprecedented. And while small businesses are, I mean, a small business owner is used to, uh, you know, difficult times. You know, that's, that's, you know, part of what, you know, the integrity of a small business. You're starting and you're growing and you carry the business on your back. This was just nothing like anyone could have ever prepared for. And, and then to, to you know, to, to really think about the average um, minority-owned small business, veteran-owned small business, female-owned small businesses, those that don't start with a network to really help propel them and prepare for anything that they could experience um, really through this type of a hardship. And we talk a lot about, you know, concerns around liquidity. You know, they don't have the balance sheet to carry them through, you know, know, an emergency scenario. Um, So the the federal programs that were rolled out were really intended to help the smallest of small, and yet there were existing, are still existing barriers to entry that have really prohibited so many of them from getting access to these great programs. Um, We can spend an hour talking about the Paycheck Protection Program in and of itself. 
Well, what I what I was getting at is is there um, a, a larger fix that needs to happen in that some of these businesses, although the help may be intended for them, don't get it because of um, pre-existing biases. Um, is there, you know, are there problems with lending and and with the kinds of uh, you know financial tools that a lot of businesses can avail themselves of maybe aren't as uh, available to women-owned businesses or African-American-owned businesses? Well, I think if you start with the idea that you know, not every small business has a relationship with a bank, um, not every small business has actually gone so far as to legitimize themselves as an independent business from their owner themselves. So if you do not have a tax ID number registered for that business and you um, essentially are operating as a sole proprietor on your own schedule, um, you know, you might not exist in the eyes of the small business community when it comes to lending tools, when it comes to prospecting tools. You know, many small business owners operating especially out of their homes or could even be using, uh, you know, their own checking accounts, their own financial tools to, um, you know, to, to propel the business. Um, so it starts with, you know, when, when these programs were rolled out, they're bank administered. So if you don't have a banking relationship and it's a bank administered program, there is an immediate perceived barrier to entry. Um, and then that takes us to really a, a completely separate topic. And that is, you know, the, the communities that we're speaking of, you know, so, so the black, the brown, the women, the veteran owned small businesses, um, if they don't have a relationship with a bank, why, why not? Um, and, and really encouraging them to trust the banking institutions in a way that they may not have historically and, and for the rightful reasons, um, trusting them to help them through this process. Um, you know, it was, it was, you know, for these programs to be so unique and, and with the intention of them being, you know, something that can really help a small business through a difficult time. Um, it was also, you know, a difficult time to, you know, really have conversations about, you know, decades of, of angst between the small business lending communities and, and banks as a whole. You know, when you talk about small businesses not um, being very organized or um, certified in the traditional sense of, of forming some kind of a, a corporate identity, um, people operating out of their own bank accounts and their own resources and so on, um, and, and these are, are very small businesses, how do LLCs play into that? You know, it really depends because there's so many different sizes of LLCs. Um, LLC I was, I, I, is kind of the first entrance into, like, true um, legitimization of a small business. So, you know, most start with, you know, especially some of these home-based businesses, like I mentioned, start, you know, with, with the, you know, under the operation of, of a sole proprietor. Um, you know, they'll often start by filing a Schedule C. Um, when you organize yourself as an LLC, you know, you can be either um, you yourself or you can be a partnership. You can actually start to bring on, um, you know, the ability to uh, you know, look at that business as an independent entity. Um, and it's so important in that moment to establish a tax ID number because you actually start to establish credit for that small business. Um, if I were to start working with and, you know, the average small business that does not have that tax ID number, their profile is identical to whatever is tied to their Social Security number. Um, you know, they, they have to start establishing credit, taking on leases, taking on, um, you know, contracts, even debt in the name of the small business 
um, really before they start to pop in a lot of databases. So if you think about that stat you asked me about when we first started today, and I said we, we think yeah. that you know, 22% of small businesses that existed at the start of 2020 are gone. Uh, how many small businesses didn't technically exist on the radar that are also gone because they were a sole proprietor out of someone's home? You know, you mentioned your barber. Um, you know, how are they organized? Great question. You know, if, if they're, you know, if they, if they, you know, someone like that were to formally shutter their doors, are we ever going to truly recognize the impact of them closing because they weren't, you know, on the official radar as a registered small business? Um, but no, an LLC is really the first major step as you head towards, you know, eventually things like incorporation that really allows you to really grow that business and start taking advantage of some tax opportunities that exist as well. You know, I've I've been reading a lot about uh, people who have been put out of business, um, either put out of business or uh, more common, people who worked for other people who went out of business, the employees um, who've lost their jobs because their industry slowed down or, you know, a, a business closed, starting their own business. And, and I wonder, is there a silver cloud in this, this dark uh, pandemic storm where some people who maybe wanted to st- have always wanted to start a business but just needed a nudge how many businesses and i know this would be kind of speculative at this point because there probably aren't any uh, numbers on it yet but how many new businesses are there uh, since the the pandemic uh began do you have any idea if there are people who you know, maybe say, well, I've got some time on my hands and I'm, you know, no longer employed. Maybe it's time to start that catering business or that home improvement business. We are really starting to get excited about what you're talking about. We're seeing <laughs> a lot of activity. And it's, 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 you know, and as someone who's dedicated, I mean, my life is focused on small business. I, I'm, I'm seeing some really interesting trends. Um, <clears throat> it's springtime. Um, everybody gets a renewed sense of spirit. We're coming out. You know, we, we heard an announcement from our president yesterday that we could have enough vaccine available in the month of May, you know, ahead of schedule. That type of optimism is continuing to drive really the resiliency of, of, of the human spirit right now. And what we're seeing is um, not only were people potentially displaced, um, people also had a lot of, 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 I would say, surprising time on their hands. You know, they, you know, there weren't places to go and people to see and you know you were sitting at home alone with your thoughts or having a conversation with your husband or wife and and not only were they thinking about what mattered more what they were passionate about what excited them what drove them um, in a different way because you know when you're when you're faced with you know a, a human health crisis or concerns with your own mortality man conversations change um, and, but not only that we also see people that are exploring gaps um, you know, we're interacting with each other as, as human beings in a different way than we ever have before. And while I don't think anyone wants, you know, this 100 percent, you know, remote Zoom environment to be, you know, our, our forever future. Um, you know, we talk a lot about this being the now normal. And we're starting to talk about what is going to be the new normal. You know, how many of these things, these activities, these, you know, even some conveniences that we've started to get comfortable with are going to follow us past the pandemic. And we're seeing small potential small business owners fill some of those gaps. More about COVID and small business with Maggie Ference from Huntington Bank. Straight ahead. 
N O I dare everybody, it's me, Tigger. T I double G R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated, it's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annanick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions and you know the material and you, and you care about it and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about COVID and small business with Maggie Ferentz from Huntington Bank. Straight ahead. I mean, think about some of the delivery services that exist right now. Um, you know, some of the, the, the different um, accommodations for, for work from home. Um, I know in, in, in um, my well, own other, backyard, I'm seeing... Um, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, Maggie, the other, um, just recently I had a doctor's appointment online. Yeah. And that saved me, yes. you know, more than an hour on the road just in driving to and from the doctor's office. Absolutely. And I might and not have considered like that before the sure. pandemic. You know, I was, how you know, how dare I'm try and, you know, make this a, <laughs> you know, a computer meeting. But now that I'm doing it, I actually love it. I could see wanting to to continue having those kinds of appointments after the all clear of uh, COVID-19 has sounded. I'm seeing single family home builders advertise home office and home gym space. I mean, it used to be, you know, formal yeah. dining room. Yeah, right. I mean, priorities have changed. <laughs> New patio. <you> know. <laughs> oh, and, and definitely larger outdoor space. I mean, you know, people are taking, you know, the, the chance to say, what did you like about this time? I mean, there was a lot of really, really difficult moments for, for all of us over the last, you know, we're, we're going on 12 months. And yet, you know, there, there's there's times where we can take a step back and say, gosh, that, that helped us reprioritize. That helped us focus on what's important. And I think you're going to see a lot of small business owners, uh, small businesses pop up that said, I took the time to use these last couple of months to organize myself, to plan, and I'm really passionate about this. Now's the time. And, and you know, that's that's why I say I wonder if there, if in some ways there isn't kind of a silver cloud, although there are going to be some problems with uh, with real estate and things that, um, you know, companies that are no longer needing as much office space because they're going to continue to have uh, um, middle and upper management uh, working remotely. You know, it's interesting. This is where I really continue to focus on, you know, we've, we've got the new, like the now normal. What continues to go on right now is we're really, you know, moving through the, the what we hope is the, the, the closing uh, innings of, of the pandemic itself, and then really focusing on the new normal. Um, I know personally with, the, you know, the, the people that I have working under my team, I've got some people that say, I'd like to work from home forever. I've got some people that are basically standing outside the office begging to go in and work. And then we've got the people in the middle that are looking for a And it's somewhere in between. You know, some folks are saying, look, I don't have a home office. I don't like working from my kitchen table. Um, People miss human interaction. Others are saying, look, I have a 45-minute commute in the morning. I don't want to have to do that again. You know, I could be logged in and ready to go an hour before you know, I would usually even roll in the door. And I, and I think that we're going to see a hybrid. We're going to see an evolution. Um, we're probably going to see even the, the office spaces themselves used in a different fashion. We're talking a lot right now about the ability to repurpose some of the office space that we use to um, make more communal areas, to do things like, um, you know, the ability to come in and print and pick up your mail, host meetings. Um, meeting space has always been a problem for large organizations. 
And the ability to repurpose some of the office space is going to allow us to have more of that meeting space than we did before. Um, I, I think we're, we're just starting the conversations about what a lot of that space is, is ultimately going to look like. How much has um, technology played a role in, in what small businesses are uh, going to be able to do? Are, they, um, are people that run small businesses um, able, are, are they taking more advantage of technology since we've been a little bit forced into it over this last year? They are, and, and it's funny, the concept of being forced into it is exactly correct. The, the COVID crisis really expedited our adoption of so many digital channels. You know, the average small business owner, I would say myself as well, there are things that I have historically resisted. I've assumed that a customer base didn't want it or wouldn't adapt to it or would, you know, would be, you know, frustrated by our encouragement of the use of more digital options. Um, and what we found is that, yes, while, you know, COVID did really push us into that space, um, people were a lot more resilient than I expected. Um, they, you know, they, they adapted to it. You know, at first it was, you know, jokes, you know, all the people that, you know, have a coffee mug that says you're on mute and, you know, it, it, it sounds like a bad seance, you know, <laughs> can you hear me? As time went on, people really started to identify it as an extra option that now exists. Um, you know, I, I don't know that the concept of a conference call will ever be the same where everyone is just on the phone. I mean, if you can see someone's face and you can really, you know, experience their emotion when you say something, you know, it really does bring value to the conversations. Um, and from a small business perspective, wow, we're seeing them really take advantage of things like, um, you know, the power of social media. Um, it's free. Um, when you think about, you know, when you think about starting a small business, a marketing plan is generally well down the path. I mean, it's, you know, can you turn the lights on and can you pay the lease before you start talking about investing in things like marketing? The power of social media has been huge. People using Facebook and Instagram accounts, people partnering with one another to get the word out about their products and services. I mean, we, we look at the, I mean, look at the uh, restaurant and the grocery store market. They have completely pivoted their entire business model from walk-up to carry-out and delivery. Um, you know, and, and putting out the messaging around that, going to, you know, online ordering systems and, and the ability to do things ahead of time. We, we've really seen some pretty um, dramatic migration towards those digital channels. That, that is pretty interesting. A moment or two ago, um, Maggie, you mentioned um, small businesses uh, working, at, you know, from the kitchen table and um, home improvement places uh, pitching um reconfiguring space into office space is it ideal for someone to uh, that's that's going to be uh doing a small business to have separate identifiable office space or does that really matter i've i've seen people with laptops running their businesses from coffee shops so i, I suppose it's up to the individual you know, it, it, it really is an it depends answer, and it has to do so much with the product or the service that you're offering. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I will say, you know, most landscaping companies don't have a physical location. I mean, most are, you know, you know, they have a storage shed oftentimes on the property of the owner, and, you know, every morning everyone assembles at the location and, you know, takes the, the, the mowers out. Um, you know, someone that's operating a, a bakery generally needs that storefront. Um, you know, a, a lot of times there's also commercial codes and requirements for certain levels of, 
you know, cleanliness and independence, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, operating tools and things like that that are required for licensure. Um, so really, it, 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 it's a spectrum from a small business perspective. But I will also say that most small businesses start in a home. I mean, it starts with, you know, you start with baking, you know, cakes and cupcakes for your family. And then it's, you know, your, your neighbors are paying you to do it. And then it's expanding into a business from there. And we see so many that grow out of that passion that the small business owner has for a very specific skill or craft. Um, and, and, and again, there's like, so it's, it's really about how fast you want to grow and the demand for your product and how well you know your market. The people that research it are really the ones that do the best. And taking that first jump to lease a space and obviously then a jump to even own a piece of real estate, um, those tend to be more mature companies that are, are ready to say, you know, I have a business model that is needed, that is desired, and is ready for this type of a jump. So a lot of home-based. Are there certain types of businesses that have been harder hit? And and I don't mean demographically like uh, uh, minority-owned businesses, but um, certain types of uh, products and services that have been hit especially hard by the pandemic? You know, it's, 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 again, it's such a strange spectrum, like unlike anything that we've ever seen before. Um, you know, we're hearing that, you know, we've seen some statistics that say that 17% of businesses did not have an impact. Not positive, not negative. They just continued doing their thing. Well, it didn't um, seem to hurt Jeff Bezos. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> think about your time machine going back and you know to be a plexiglass installation company. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. what a strange need that no one predicted. <laughs> um, but if you think about the average small business, so you've got a strange immediate and initial impact on restaurants. Um, restaurants, the entertainment industry, um, so many venues that had to shutter, theaters and concert locations. Um, you know, groups like um, family entertainment centers, you know, anyone that has a rock climbing wall or did birthday parties, um, you know, there was a strange end to that spectrum of, of folks that just were not physically able to gather, um, you know, places that hosted weddings, um, catering companies. Um, there's just so much of life that was completely shut down. And yet we've also seen tremendous resiliency from, from groups like restaurants to rethink how they were getting their product on the street, you know, delivery services and um, you know, the ability to do carry out, curbside carry out. Uh, you know, now you pull into some of these parking lots and the first 10 spots are for, you know, the, 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 the call ahead orders and they walk them out, you know, completely masked to your car. So, you know, quite a few took you know, the opportunity to pivot and say, how do we stay open? How do we stay focused? Um, and even took advantage of some of those government programs. Um, if you were an existing SBA borrower, you know, there were six months of Section uh, 1112 payments that were actually made on your behalf to, to really help continue your business forward. Um, the PPP program uh, really helps you keep your staff as well as then invest in some of those expenses, um, some of those you know, fixed expenses like your lease, but also some of the expenses that came to the table through PPE and plexiglass and the things you had to do to retrofit your space. So we're really we're seeing it really industry by industry has been impacted differently. I mean, again, I mean, almost, you know, you know, 20% of, of, of the nation uh, is coming back and saying, we really just had a pretty flat year. We weren't up, we weren't down, we maintained. That's, um, that's interesting because I think that's what a lot of people did that took advantage of, of technology and Zoom meetings and, and working remotely was this sense of just 
of just hanging on, riding it out. Of course, in the very beginning, you know, we, we were all under the impression this was going to be for a few weeks. Right? <laughs> I think we're, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of uh, two weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two weeks to and and you know it's it's interesting. Yeah. I've looked back at the uh, at at the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918, and that dragged out for two or three years. And they didn't have phones and Zoom and and the opportunity for you know homeschooling and and all of these things that you know have have spiked during the uh, pandemic. I, you know, you you have to wonder how people that were sheltering at home survived. Well, and, and to really think about how much we know from a, a human connectivity perspective, you know, the, the, what we learn every morning when we see the news, you know, we're, we're holding in the palm of our hands, you know, a computer that gives us access to real-time information, and even in some cases, bad information. You know, it's interesting to see how people have responded to even, you know, the request to shelter in place and the request for masks. Uh, and then really, you know, those that have embraced the expectation and said, I'm going to rise to the challenge, I'm going to pivot, and I'm going to lean into these requirements and find a way to save my small business, find a way to help it persevere. Um, and it's really, you know, as, as we think about the next couple you know, weeks and months as we come out of this, I think it's also going to be a really interesting time, you know, from, from a human spirit perspective of, of how people are start to embrace life again. Um, and remember, after the, you know, the, the Spanish flu was the roaring 20s. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, you kind of get chills when you stop and think it's the 20s again. And, you know, how exciting of a time is it going to be for us to come out and say, we did it, we survived. I mean, there was a tremendous amount of loss over the last year. I mean, you know, small businesses, human lives, you know, frustration politically and, 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 you know, socioeconomically. And yet at the same time, we're coming into this fresh decade and saying, you know, what a time to be alive. And, and again, that silver lining of, you know, what are what have we really embraced over the last 12 months that we can carry into a new version of the Roaring Twenties? Well, you mentioned, you know, the now normal and then the new normal, Maggie, and, and I've heard lots of people, you know, predicting that there will be a new normal, but not very many people predicting what that will look like. <laughs> and, and I just wonder, you know, are you, are you speculating at all? Are there certain kinds of um, businesses you think that will um, really grow out of this pandemic and do particularly well in the, in the new normal? And, and do you have any sense for what the new normal looks like? I think one of the things we're paying close attention to are industry-specific preferences. Um, you actually hit on one that we've been talking about a lot, and that is the concept of doing like a, a virtual doctor's visit. Um, you, know, you know, right? We've spent a lot of time talking about you know wearing a mask because you don't want to transmit COVID. Yet, a, you know, two years ago, you would have gone to a well checkup and sat in a doctor's office within close proximity to someone who might have the flu or strep throat. And, and the concept of a mask was never something that we really um, you know, normalized in our culture. So do you ever want to go sit in a waiting room with someone who has strep throat again? Um, you know, I think there's going to be customer preferences that come out of each of the individual industries that we say, why do we ever want to go back to that again? And I think that's really where we're going to see a new normal adopted in terms of 
what did we really learn about what people want from a customer service perspective and how do they want to interact? I think there's going to be more channels and more options than there have been historically to accommodate customers, um, you know, in, in ways that we've grown through this experience. Uh, do you think like uh, the way um, people have been in Japan since SARS and even before um, where in the new normal um, mask wearing on things like public transportation and in public gathering places will be more common than not? You know, it's interesting. I, I use the word that we've, you know, we've normalized the concept of wearing a mask. I think more than anything, we're normalizing acceptance of other humans. We're trying to encourage that, you know, that, that, that you know, for someone to choose to wear a mask, we shouldn't point, we shouldn't stare, we shouldn't question. I mean, and, you know, compromised members of our society have had to wear masks for years, you know, when they're going through chemo or radiation treatments to ensure that they don't get become exposed to some of those germs. And, 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 you know, for, for us to see someone like that historically, you know, we have, you know, questioned, you know, why are you wearing a mask? Um, I, I think, you know, we're, we're preaching tolerance as, an, as a society more than we have in, in, in decades. And, and now to think that someone would carry that through this time period, I think it's going to be more accepted than it would have been historically. Um, I think some people are going to go the other way. I mean, we're seeing headlines from the state of Texas today saying, you know, no masks and we're opening up. Um, but I think, it's, it, again, it's, it's going to be a spectrum. Uh, and that's what makes America beautiful, is that we truly have that spectrum, and people can choose really where, where on that, in that space they want to participate. Um, Maggie, one, one last thing to um, bring up. You mentioned the, the headlines out of Texas, but a lot of the news out of Washington revolves around the uh, efforts to get another um, relief package passed. Um, how important is that to small business, this new package? I, I'm yeah, and I'm comparing a lot of what's going on right now really with, you know, 2008, 2009, and 10. And I think that the continued relief packages are really the differentiating factor between what happened in 2008 and the resulting years of 9 and 10 and the opportunity that we are standing at right now on really a precipice of recovery that allows us to focus on, on not experiencing, you know, the afterfall of, of and, and potential recession. Um, right now, this remains, you know, a humanitarian health crisis, not yet a financial crisis. And I think that in and of itself is so important that some of these government plans, these programs, the encouragement of the banks and other financial institutions to do things like suspend fees, suspend payments on amortizing loans, you know, suspending student loan debt and, and housing payments has allowed us to basically suspend time. And we froze as much of the year of 2020 as physically possible so that we couldn't do it, the damage to the economy that occurred in 2008. And the interesting piece will be, number one, is it enough? Has it been enough to really help freeze time and propel small businesses, propel, you know, homeowners and the average family, or, you know, keep them alive, sustain operations largely for our economy. And then are these programs enough to help us really get through the end of COVID? And that's really the intention here is to continue to help stabilize the economy so that we don't come out of a humanitarian crisis with a financial crisis. And, and whether or not it will jumpstart jump recovery. 
Absolutely. We, we talk a lot about, you know, in Huntington, we really focused on relief, sustainment, and recovery. Relief was what we could do in the early days. We suspended payments. We suspended fees. We wanted to make sure that we took care of everything we could help with immediately so that a small business owner or a consumer could focus on what was most important. I mean, all of a sudden we had work from home, school from home, you know, all of your kids' sports were suspended and you couldn't go to your favorite restaurant or church on Sunday. Then it was focusing on sustainment. Those were the PPP programs, you know, the ability for the federal government to suspend student loan debt, um, you know, the stimulus uh, checks to help basically keep people status quo. And now we're talking about recovery. I mean, like I said, there's, there's this excitement in the air, this palpable energy that something is changing and that the, you know, we're, we're talking about COVID being done. Now we have to talk about recovery. Uh, there's a lot of dance still out there. We want to focus on what's next. Well, Maggie, I can't believe how fast this time has gone, and I really appreciate you sharing your time and your expertise uh, with us this morning. Maggie Ferentz is uh, from Huntington Bank, and she works with uh, small business. Um, Maggie, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Are there some re uh, resources, websites, uh, periodicals, or, or anything else that you can recommend to people who want to dig down a little deeper on yes, this? We strongly, absolutely. We strongly encourage you to start at Huntington.com. And on Huntington.com, you have the ability to, to put in a keyword. Um, you can go to our business resource page, and you can also do keyword lift local. And in the fall of 2020, we actually launched a new program specifically for minority, female, and veteran-owned small businesses, as well as those who are located in an LMI or Majority Minority Census tract that really focuses on patient, low-cost access to capital, and has expanded our credit box in a way that we have never historically supported to really help small businesses recapitalize, refinance, to help them start, to help them grow, even to help them um, you know, provide a, a succession plan for the next generation. So a ton of good stuff going on, Huntington.com, keyword lift local. Well, Maggie, thanks so much. Uh, stay safe and uh, best wishes. Keep up the uh, keep up the good work. Appreciate the time. Thanks. Take care. Once again, that was uh, Maggie Ferentz from Huntington Bank. We've been talking about COVID and small business. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner.
from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. 
The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I was, uh, I was watching television, and it was a John Wayne War movie. I guess they're all John Wayne War movies. Do you ever think how close we came to losing the war if he hadn't been with us? <laughs> but uh, I, I don't want to tell you the plot of the thing because I hate people to do that. But uh, we win it, you see. Now, my problem is that uh, I want to start talking about airplanes right now. And there is no logical way to get out of what I was talking about and talking about airplanes. <laughs> and you should always tie things in together. So I will try this. In the war movies, they always had that one shot of the dogfight with the airplanes. Speaking of airplanes. <laughs> I recently flew out from uh, Chicago. And I, uh, I don't enjoy flying at all. Uh, I'm one of those ones, first of all, who gets on stoned, you know, <laughs> right away. <laughs> Secondly, I usually sit in the lounge and I whimper all through the flight. <laughs> and I, I look out the window and I turn to the guy who's sitting next to me and I'll say, this flying is really amazing. I said, the people, they look like ants down there. And he'll say, those are ants, you idiot. We haven't taken off yet, you know. <laughs> but anyway, there's a, there's a logical explanation for why I don't fly. I took a non-scheduled airline one time. I was in the Army, and I wanted to go to Hawaii on a three-day pass. <laughs> but I didn't have a lot of money, and they were running ads at the time. Uh, and one ad read, take a chance on the Mrs. Grace L. Ferguson airline and Storm Door Company, see? So... <laughs> It gave an address, and I went out to this address, and it was this woman's home. And she had a little counter set up in her living room, and uh, we had to go up to the John to weigh our baggage, I remember. And then we all got in her Volkswagen, and she drove us out to the airport. We got aboard this DC-1. After we were out about two hours, a captain came out. He gave one of those addresses they all give. And I'll never forget it, and this is why I don't fly anymore. It came out like this. You're the navigator. You ought to be able to figure out where the hell we are. Uh, good evening. I'd, uh, I'd like to welcome you aboard the Mrs. Grace L. Ferguson Airline and Storm Door Company. 
I don't know how much you know about our airlines. We've, uh, we've only been in business uh, about a week. Uh, our airline was uh, founded on the philosophy that what the American public was really looking for was a low-cost overseas transportation. Uh, we have attempted to eliminate what we call in the airline business uh, frills and extras, like uh, maintenance and... Uh, <laughs> And radar and a whole bunch of, uh, of, uh, of technical instruments up in the uh... <laughs> Roy, have, have you ever had one that hangs on for about four or five days? I don't, I don't mind the headaches too much but it's that damn double vision that just... <laughs> Oh, uh, incidentally, I want to apologize for uh, your having to stand all the way. Uh, if I can give you a little tip there, every, uh, oh, half hour or so, you want to alternate your arms through those uh, straps above your head. Uh, you, you folks flying tourists, you don't have any straps. So uh, don't uh, don't bother looking for him. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to have a little drill in a few moments uh, <laughs> by our, our two stewardesses, Trixie and Bubbles. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Miss Watson and Miss Savage, and uh, they'll show you how to put your life jackets on. Uh, there really isn't that much to it, but a lot of people uh, get them on backwards, and. Uh, well, that way you're going to wind up with your face in the water. Uh, if we should have to ditch, you'll, you'll receive plenty of warning uh, because our co-pilot becomes hysterical. <laughs> and he'll, he'll start uh, running up and down the aisles uh, yelling, uh, you know, we're going to crash or, or something like that. Uh, actually, he gets, he gets kind of panicky, and it, it isn't always too easy to understand him. Uh, at least it hasn't been in the past, anyway. <laughs> so, if, if you see him running up and down the aisles, uh, and you can't make out what he's saying, uh, you, might, you might slip into your life jackets to <laughs> be on the safe side. Uh, I'd like to answer some questions that you may have uh, about the airline. It's uh, the woman right here. Ma'am, ma if I may, I'll repeat the question so everyone uh, can hear it. it. If we should ditch, how long would the plane remain afloat? Is, is that the, was that your question, ma'am? Uh, <laughs> golly, that's, that's awful hard to say, ma'am. <laughs> Uh, some of them go down like a rock, you know? <laughs> and then, I don't know, for some reason or other, others will stay up for, oh, two, three minutes, it's uh... <laughs> Sir, if I may, I'll get your question next. I want to get the gentleman's way in the back there. Sir, could you kind of speak up a little bit? I can't hear you over the roar of our engines. 
maybe, you know, if you just, oh, wait, they stopped now, sir. <laughs> Harry, the engines went out again. It's uh, the third button on the left, I think, here. Hold, hold it, Harry, the cabin lights are going out. Uh, thir- uh, try the third button on the right. That's got him. That's got him. You want, you want to try that question again, sir? Sir, I'm sorry. I still can't make out what you're saying. Oh, well, sure. All right. All right. You can try it that way. It may work. First word. Sounds like running. Sounds like racing. Track and field. Ran. Oh, it sounds like ran. Uh, Man. A lot of man. A whole bunch of men. Oh, men. Men, it's right behind you there, sir. (laughs) I'm, I'm glad I took your question ahead of this gentleman's over here. Uh, I really have to get back in the cabin now. We, uh, we have it on automatic pilot, but uh, well, the damn thing keeps kicking in and out all the time, and uh, <laughs> we never really know if it's on or not. Oh, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons I came out here, I nearly forgot. Uh, have, have any of you ever, ever been to Hawaii before? This a gentleman right here? It's, uh, it's kind of liver-shaped, isn't it, sir? <laughs> Sir, as, as we're coming in, uh, would you mind very much uh, stopping by the cabin and kind of <laughs> pointing it out to us? We sure appreciate it. Thank you very much. I hope you have a very pleasant trip. Thank you. Thank you. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell there is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July a super bad transmittable contagious awful and if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well, then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we are asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, tra-
transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the lesson to July a super bad transmittable. Super bad transmittable, contagious. Pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on! Go on, get out of here! <laughs>